Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trace Trolko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banneret. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. Elo, hello to you. Trey's good to see you. Coming up on the fastest UCF show around. We got a schedule. We got dates. So start to celebrate. Plan some trips for Jerry World, maybe? For football, <laughs> we'll discuss that. Plus basketball. Two big games at home against ranked teams. Oh, maybe the expectations should be higher. We'll come, get into all that and much more coming up on this edition of Around the Kingdom. All right, before we get going with all of that, let us welcome the third member of our team, Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF. He keeps an eye on the clock every week and keeps us on our toes. Adam, hello to you. Happy schedule release day to all who celebrate. Also, happy hotel price gouging day to all who celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in places like Morgantown, West Virginia, I imagine. We'll check back in with you, Adam, in just a bit. You mentioned it, Elo. Uh, been anticipating this one. Knew the opponents, didn't know the dates, didn't know how it would shake out. The schedule drops on Tuesday for not only UCF, but the rest of the Big 12. What did you see in it? What did you like? Well, I think what stood out, you got Colorado as your first Big 12 home game, followed by going to Florida. You talk about box office. You go Deion Sanders to Florida Gators in the next two weeks. You think the fans will be hyped? That to, uh, that period, that's going to be uh, amazing. Also, Utah, Black Friday. Trace, for the first time since maybe, what, eight, nine years, we actually have a quality opponent on Black Friday. I mean, hey, a game to look forward to for a change. I thought that was very interesting. West Virginia in late November, ooh, cold. But overall, I think it's a very positive schedule. UCF only travels out of the state once between opening night and the middle of October, going into that Cincinnati game. I think that's a favorable start for UCF to have a good chance to get off to a fast start. So I like the beginning of that schedule. A little bit softer start to it before the Big 12 opener on the road at TCU. Opportunity for some wins in the first half of that schedule. You mentioned West Virginia. It could be cold late, but they avoid the Iowa State game late in the year, which you would imagine would have been cold. By weeks stretched far enough apart. Uh, challenging schedule, though, towards the end. There are winnable games on the schedule already, of course. We'll talk about this, raising expectations. But when you have seven home games and that game in Gainesville, the schedule sets up, right? No back-to-back road trips on this one. While you've got the game at Arizona State, you don't have the travel, the, the difficulty with the travel to Lubbock or Boise State in particular. 
So a little bit easier from a travel with just a fewer, you know, some fewer road games. It does set up nicely as a schedule, but what sticks out to you? One more positive. Maybe you want to float this. You're you're the guy who likes to write those game day articles. Maybe a game day, Colorado, UCF, possibly if both uh, early teams, on if, in the year. If both teams get off to a good start, hey, we can at least avoid FS1, right? Maybe we have actually broadcasters on set. You mentioned the Arizona State. I like the fact that it's in November, Trace. You know why? Because by putting Arizona State in November, it means you're not putting Iowa State in November and have two cold games in November. Instead, you get to go to Tempe. I know you're going to hit the golf course there. Nice, nah, not, a golfer, not a golfer. Not a golfer. golfer. Since when? Like, get out of here. Not a golfer. Not What's a wrong golfer. with you? But anyway, so I think that's a favorable thing. You mentioned Iowa State in October. I'll be honest. I wish Colorado, from a, football, a UCF fan standpoint, would be later in the season I don't think Dion and Colorado will be as good as the season goes on. Kind of like last year. Remember, they got off to the great start, got ranked, and then they kind of fell apart because they didn't have depth. I feel the same way about Colorado again. So it's tough to get them right off the bat. But from a TV box office, from a casual college football fan standpoint, bring it on. That is going to be a hot ticket. And, of course, the Florida game after that is amazing. I know some people maybe – do. You, are you bothered that UCF doesn't have the bye before the Florida game? Some people are bothered. I'm not. Uh, I personally like the bye week after TCU. I'm not bothered by that. If there's cause for concern here, Knights 4-2 and two at home last year, so the extra home game. Arizona is a tough game for the space game. Knights undefeated in that space game. They've had success in that Black Friday game. Utah, a very difficult game. It's not a schedule you see the Knights going 7-0 and at home. They were 2-4 and on the road last year. Can they do a little bit better on the road? Just the five road games, the one in Gainesville or you you got to do really well at home to meet those expectations that fans have already talking about perhaps contending for a conference championship. Who would that be? I don't know who you're talking about. Hey, look, Arizona, you mentioned that. Talented team, would have been a preseason favorite, but Jed Fish, their head coach, left for Washington. Brennan's their new coach. That brings some question marks to Arizona. One thing that you mentioned is not a question, is the excitement. Hey, you got football schedule dates. Eh, it gets everybody excited. No different with this UCF schedule. You mentioned it. Pretty favorable from a home road standpoint. Not as much travel. Trace, is it fair to say that this team is a conference championship contender based on this schedule? How many wins? I'm not backing off of this, Elo. I think Gus Malzahn has averaged four losses a wow. season during his career. And you see some opportunity for losses on this schedule. Uh, we're going to go through with that way too early predictions here. I know fans aren't going to like this, but I see a loss in Gainesville. Prove me what? otherwise, UCF. What? Prove me. Hey, between at TCU, which had a bit of a down year last year, and you can't buy too much into that year to year with the way schools remake their rosters, UCF amongst all of them, right? But TCU and UF on the road, I, I struggle to see that those are both going to be wins on the road. Uh, I think they get the loss in Gainesville. Uh, and, and those two I mentioned earlier, Arizona, Utah, to me, those are losses. I don't know what the depth will look like. Injury situation as the season wears along. I think the second half of this schedule is far more challenging than the first half. And uh, I'm not ready to declare West Virginia this year's Texas Tech. I've made no guarantees in our way too early predictions. But I don't see him coming out of Morgantown with a win. So wow. Eight and four. I think the 
the floor here is six and six. I could see nine and three. I don't see a 10 and two on this schedule. I settled in at eight and four with improvement year over year, their second year in the Big 12. I think eight and four is the floor. I, I think that's a minimum. I think it'd be disappointing if they're not more. I Florida? Billy Napier might not even be employed at, for the post game of that UCF game if UCF beats Florida. Uh, I would be that would not that's a big game. If UCF loses that game, there's not gonna be a lot of fans happy. But here's what I will say: West Virginia, Iowa State, two tricky road games. I think you split those two road games. Utah, Arizona. If you split those two home games, that's two losses right there. I kind of like them the rest of the way. I think nine and three, ten and two. You're in the mix for the conference title game. Maybe you slip through the back door. I'm not saying they should be if it's you know conference title or bust, but I do think eight to ten wins is realistic with this roster with KJ Jefferson, who's won at the swamp with this offense returning. I think eight to ten wins is more than realistic and fair expectations with this team with this schedule. Trace, we may not get a favorable schedule like this from a travel or opponent standpoint the rest of this decade in the Big 12. They've got to win how many games on the road in order to accomplish that? You have them losing maybe West Virginia, Iowa State. You've got them four and one on the road, Elo. Uh, maybe well, five TCU and two is at a wild card game. TCU is a wild card game, to your point, because we don't know what we're going to get from TCU. Well, floor and ceiling debate is going to go on all the way the rest of the year uh, on this one, Elo. We've been talking about coaching changes. We discussed it last week with the change at offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, some more changes over the last week. And I thought it was interesting, our friend Christian Simmons, uh, Night Sports Now, Pegasus Podcast, uh, showing some concern about the coaching changes. Maybe some of the moves seem desperate. I, I do have to laugh at our fans, though. Uh, Ernie Sims no longer linebackers coach and it's as if though our fans know that he was scapegoated for the problems at linebacker you don't know what the personnel decisions the conversations the fit the chemistry uh, between uh, coach Malzahn and his coaches hey if he makes no moves will fans not be upset that he has done nothing that he has brought back the same people in the same roles after a six and six season and a bowl loss so I think in this situation Gus Malzahn is, is darned if he does and darned if he doesn't he addressed this in his presser, right, where he said he takes responsibility. The 6-6 six and six finished, the 6-7 and seven with a bowl loss, not acceptable. I think he made changes. What more do you want him to do? Do nothing? Uh, he's trying to work the portal, and you've seen what he's done in the recruiting class. He, on paper, right, going into the season, is trying to better this program year over year. I agree. Now, whether you agree with disagree with the moves is one thing, but I agree. I think I thought that was a fascinating presser from Gus where he was pretty open and honest and said, yeah, last year was unacceptable. I'm used to winning. That was my first losing season. It clearly bothered him, Trace, last year, that season. He felt there should have been more. Can't say disagree. I think yeah, you would think as a fan base, you'd be kind of, you kind of relate to that. you kind of be excited about that. Every A lot of people were saying, hey, bring in an experienced defensive coach. Help out Addison Williams. He kind of did that. Offensively, we kind of, look. He is who he is. I thought I, I always thought this whole thing about the play calling was the most overrated thing ever. Like I didn't I haven't had a big issue with his play calling. I thought this whole I I never understood why he gave it up in the first place. I don't know. I don't believe that was his idea. Maybe he was talking into it. I also don't think Darren Hidshaw did a bad job with play calling either. I think they're all gonna be fine. They're gonna make their moves. Hopefully that produces better uh, results on the field and, and certain things. And look, he obviously felt strongly about these changes. Uh, but there was going to be changes. This team could have gone 12-0, and 0, and there's going to be coaching changes. Every That's just the way the profession is. 
Yeah, and you know, you talk about the play calling, right? What you just said, you could have taken from an Auburn podcaster show a couple of seasons ago. On again, off again, the play calling. I will just say this, and I was not at the media availability, and I'm not questioning my colleagues in the room, but no one asking him that, hey, he was all in, and he needed to be the CEO of this program. He had to put all of his attention there, roster management, working the, the, the king with the kingdom and, and attracting donors and all that. Ah, a little less important. He needs to get back to play calling and have his hands in the mix. But that's who he is. That's who he's at at the core. And I th I'd rather have my coach be who he is and the core than try to be somebody he's not. That's not who he is. He loves play calling. That's why he came to UCF. He hated giving a play call at Auburn. I think he kind of knows that. That's who he is. But I think you're right there. He's uncomfortable when he's not doing that. Right. So I think you get a better version of him here now. And as a result, in that press conference, he was – Pretty uh, defiant. Said, called it unacceptable. Six and seven. What, he's been hanging out with you, Trace? Clearly, you've been losing mm -hmm. Six and seven. He was, RJ Harvey even said it, but has Gus Malzahn now raised the expectations for football? Is it conference championship or bust in a lot of ways with the expectation? It sounds, because he's talking like someone that expects higher from this football program. I think he has, and at that presser, I think he has raised the expectations. They were already heightened uh, with the arrival of K.J. Jefferson. We've seen what the portal has looked like. But again, I go back a year. Uh, there were high hopes for the portal class last year, and it underperformed expectations. But he's clearly set the expectations high. I think you also need that in the offseason to attract new donors, right? You see this in all sports. you got to have hope going into a season that you can contend and you can be a factor. He has set up expectations. You talked earlier about floor being eight and four. What will disappoint the fan base? He has set the expectation, right? You can't, well, obviously you can't go less than six and six. Six and six again with all of these moves, the coaching moves, all that will not be acceptable. It's got to be more than six, right? He has raised he's just in, Yeah, he just said in his own words, right? And I, I, I admire that too, by the way. I like the fact he's saying that. Because I think there's been a lot, I'll be honest, I think there's been a lot of people that try to give football a pass. Well, it's just year one of the Big 12. We should give it time. That's ain't thinking about 10, 15 years from now. Like, it, you you got to try to win now. You're all in. And he knows that they have a better chance to compete in the conference in 2024 than they probably do in 2025 when they got to rebuild that offense when you lose the personnel that they're about to lose. So I like the fact that he's talking like that. Uh, I wish co coaches would be more honest, and I appreciate that, Trace. You may not agree with everything he says, but he—that was an honest Gus Malzahn, maybe the most uh, honest uh, into the soul of Gus Malzahn. He clearly is bothered by that last season. And with Texas, Oklahoma going to the SEC, it is more wide open now. There is a bit of must-win. You can't be worried too far in the future. The opportunity is now. He has raised the expectations, Elo. I'm just not buying into it as much as you are. Let's bring back in Adam. Time for some silliness. What do you got for us, Adam? All right, gentlemen. This week's game is Would You Rather. I'm going to give you two options. You tell me which of these you'd refer to. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of options here. So let's uh, let's get started. This is going to be schedule and game related. So it's obviously schedule week. So uh, let's start with the first one, Eric. This one's for you. Would you rather play a game on the uh, at home or on the road? I'd rather play a game at home. Okay, Trace, home or road? <laughs> this is the easiest what? question. I feel like this is building to something yeah, more challenging. A home game. Okay, Trace, next for you. <laughs> oh, here it goes. Now it gets harder. Day game or night game? Uh, night game. Why? Um, 
I think it's a better atmosphere in the bounce house uh, for a home game and uh, certainly uh, for fan experience, a little bit cooler. So I think that's six o'clock time slot, not too late, not too early, plenty of time for tailgating. I think right about that time is the, is the right time. Well, for selfish, see, for selfish reasons, I'll say daytime, just so I could get there out of there early, later. You know how post-game press conference things. So it's fairly specifically selfish. I like to get home at a reasonable hour <laughs> than instead of 1, 2 a.m. like Trace has in the past. That's a fair answer. All right, Eric, start with you on this one. Weekday or weekend game? <laughs> this is like a mystery club. I don't know what I was, the usual suspects here? Uh, Adams, was Kaiser's Jose? Um, uh, obviously, people would prefer the uh, weekends. But I actually am going to go weeknight because that way I can watch all the football on Saturdays. Again, selfish reasons. Acknowledged. I love it. Trace? I agree with you. When those games are on the weekdays, you do get to watch a lot more football on the Saturdays. Uh, weekend, but I'd split the difference and say I think a Friday night slot, not a bad slot. All right, Trace, to you, would you rather be a hot weather game or a cold weather game? A hot weather game. I like the heat, and I think it plays to UCF's advantage. Is, does the temperature change in the press box? <laughs> yeah, it can. <laughs> okay. It can change. Fair enough. Elo, hot, hot or cold? Well, Trace going to find that out at uh, Florida Field there, at Steve Spurrier Field, because the press box is open. Uh, so the weather would definitely be a factor. I prefer – I'm going to – What's 75 degrees, Adam? What is that quality? You know, can we have that perfect, <laughs> beautiful weather, like 75? Why does it have to be super hot or cold? But if you're going to force me, I will say uh, cold. I'm going to go cold. I actually love football in the elements. All right, Eric, would you rather watch a close game or a blowout? This <laughs> is the most bizarre, silly game ever. Of course, I'd rather watch a close game that's memorable, yes. Trace? Oh, uh, no, blowout. I enjoyed that Oklahoma State game thoroughly. Blowout in UCS favor so I can relax a little. All right. Trace, for you, would you rather watch a high-scoring game or a defensive slugfest? Mm, high-scoring game. Elo? Give me some defensive stops, will you, please? Oh, I think we're going to see more of those high-scoring games. It's coming yeah, to no, Elo yeah, than right. those uh, low-scoring defensive balance. Right about that. All right, last one for you, Eric. I'll start with you. Here we go. Would you rather lose to a team closely that you were not supposed to beat or blow out a team that you were supposed to blow out. <laughs> See, it did get a little harder for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, this is terrific. I'm, I can't wait to see where this conclusion goes to. I will say blow out against a team you're supposed to, because then I can just chill the rest of the game. What's the point of losing to a close game to somebody you weren't supposed to be? You're just going to be as ticked off anyway. So I'm going to be in a better mood the other way. Yeah, blowout victory over somebody you're supposed to crush. Uh, I'd rather experience defeating Sam Houston State big than lose like UCF did at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, et cetera. It's unfortunate you guys don't appreciate the quality loss. It's unfortunate. <laughs> no more moral victories, Adam. We'll check back with you in a bit. Hey, speaking of moral victories and the like, there's been some of that for men's basketball. Elo, I look at the week between our recordings of Around the Kingdom. Knights split, win over West Virginia, lost after a big lead at half at Cincinnati. How do you assess the week for this Knights team, now three and four in the very competitive Big 12? Well, they needed to get that win against a struggling West Virginia team that's getting healthier, but a home win I thought was huge to get that third win comfortably, led wire to wire. The Cincinnati game, disappointing second half it just kind of unraveled only shot 20 percent from the field 
Uh, you got to see it. It was tough. A couple of injuries, which is concerning moving forward. But I think it's what, ideally, a split is what you kind of were expecting. I don't think this team was going to win both of those games. And glad they didn't lose both. So I, I kind of take it as positive a split, which is going to probably need to be continued this week because you got two tough teams in Baylor and OU. Knights not able to win back-to-back games, uh, a struggle on Saturdays, right? They have protected the home court during the week. pair of ranked opponents coming up with Baylor and Oklahoma and a stretch of ranked opponents. Johnny Dawkins has always prided himself on uh, the defensive play of his teams. Hey, look at the scores, right, from these last two games. Uh, and, and you see UCF still struggling to score points. Ben Hazel on uh, Sons of UCF Live saying if they could hit 70, right, and they get 72 in the win over West Virginia, they fall short of even hitting 60 at Cincinnati. Still not enough offense. Defense is going to keep them in games, but offense is what's going to be uh, the difference maker for them winning or losing these games, especially on the road. I just don't know if they have enough offense, and certainly do they have – and they stay healthy now. You got questions, C.J. Walker. We don't know what his status will be moving forward. Shamari Allen did not play in the Cincinnati game, got hurt in the West Virginia game. That stings a little bit. You're almost asking a lot of Jalen Sellers. And, of course, Darius Johnson going through some personal things there with the passing of his grandmother. So it's tough. It's a gauntlet. There's no gimmies in this league. And this offense comes and goes, and you just hope for the best from an offensive standpoint, I think, to have a shot to knock off some of these teams. Yeah, and I want to revisit something. We've been doing this a little bit of fun. Uh, Johnny versus Gus, you know, now tied at three wins each. But if you look at it, Gus won one-third of his conference games, right? Three and six in league play. So the equivalent there for Johnny is six wins. Six wins. So it's not going to just be uh, defeat Gus, uh, you know, straight up on that. Uh, So tough week. I think each week, if we're talking split, you're going to be happy with where you are at the end of the season. I don't know how they get the split this week, though. Well, the split's going to be they're going to have to contain this Baylor offense that's explosive. They got to play a half court game against Baylor, win the boards. And then Oklahoma, it's a similar thing. Oklahoma shoots a lot of threes, they've been struggling lately. Play defense. Finish in the in the rim, win the paint uh, in the paint, and maybe get a splitter. And you keep trugging there at four and five, getting close to your six win number. Now, now we're raising. You're 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 moving the goalposts, Trace. You know who you are. You're one of those people like they like to keep moving the goalposts. Like columnist Dolly Drama, yes, on Sons of UCF. Great column there talking about Johnny Dawkins. Great start, three and four, but yet, yeah, why can't we be more? Why can't we have higher expectations? Trace, your reaction to Dolly's column. I love Dolly, and of course, I love his writing on sonsofucf.com, but he threw you in there, a column that continues to come up on message boards and in conversation. Uh, You writing the, we don't appreciate the job Johnny Dawkins has done enough. I, I did laugh at this column that, you know, celebrate Johnny for defeat and can't, but what have you done for me lately? It's always that. And then the, the, the little barb in there about uh, maybe, maybe we're seeing a little bit more fire from Johnny Dawkins in a, in a contract. Like this guy, as storied as he's been in the sport of basketball, like he's coaching differently uh, in, in a contract year. I, I, I think this 2017 football continues to alter the landscape across all sports. There's this expectation that you saw it during play out in the fall with volleyball when they struggled against tough opponents. You got to win everything all the time 
to satisfy a portion of the fan base. And I think it is still Apple. Now, are we going to say this if Johnny is three and 15 at the end of this campaign and the Knights never win, you know, don't win another game? No, I'm not saying that. But uh, they've acquitted themselves pretty well so far in a difficult transition for the, from the American to, to the Big 12. I appreciate the column shout out there. Put the link in there, Dolly, next time. Get me my link in my column there. Give me some clicks. Um, here's what I don't get. This program has won one NCAA tournament game in its history. One. By the way, the women's has only won one as well. There's no track record for history for this basket, either basketball programs. And yet, we're judging them. We think they should be right at the level of football, which has accomplished way more and has way more resources. I, I don't understand that logic. I never have. This is the Big 12. I'm the, the most gauntlet, toughest conference in bas- college basketball by far. Uh, I don't care who you have as the coach. You're going to struggle to win there unless you pick up the support around the program. And again, and I wrote in that column, my whole point is this has been going on for a long time. We're talking 15, 20 years. And I got news for you. Johnny Dawkins ain't co- is not stressing about coaching for his job. Johnny Dawkins doesn't need UCF. UCF needs Johnny Dawkins. Don't believe me? Ask Bill Self. And I had to laugh. It was such an interesting contrast noted by many that Gus Malzahn needed to take a helicopter ride from East Orlando to Sanford and some other high schools while UCF flew commercial to Cincinnati, spent Saturday night in Cincinnati, flew back on Sunday. Nothing speaks about the contrast between football and basketball on the UCF campus than that one, Elo. Uh, Let's uh, talk about our prop bets. You, you swept me in the prop bets uh, this last week. Nailed that attendance, baby. You did nail the attendance. You went over 8,500, 88-82 against West Virginia. You nailed that one. And Knights turnovers, uh, over-under was 13 and a half. How about that? 14, Elo. You went with the over 14. You got it. You lead me 4-3. Pair of them this week, Baylor at UCF. Uh, who scores more is this week's prop bet. Interesting uh, choice uh, in this one. Is it UCF's Jalen Sellers or Baylor's Jacoby Walter? Yeah, I wanted to bring this up because Jacoby Walter might be the best NBA prospect in the Big 12. Probably will be the first player from the Big 12 to get drafted on NBA draft night. He's averaged about 15 a game. For UCF to have a shot against Baylor, Jalen Sellers, I think, has to outperform or cancel out Jacoby Walter. If Jacoby Walter outscores Sellers, I think it could be a tough night for UCF. Uh, I'm going to go with Jacoby Walter. I'm going to go with him. I think he will have more points than Jalen Sellers. Hopefully I'm wrong, but he's. I'm really fascinated to see how Coach Dawkins and UCF defend Jacoby Walter. You know, Baylor, what was it, double overtime, triple overtime? TCU, uh, yeah, lost TCU, TCU the other day. Yeah. I'll go opposite you, though. I do have concerns. Jalen Sellers has been battling some nagging lower back issues throughout the season as he's had to carry this team at times on his shoulders. But I will I will put my faith in uh, Jalen. All right, Oklahoma uh, and this game with Baylor, the two games at home this week, which draws more, Elo? I am so fascinated by this because Baylor's the bigger basketball brand. They've won a national title under head coach Scott Drew recently. But Oklahoma, you might argue, is the bigger overall brand when it comes to college athletics. Plus, it's a Saturday. I'm going to go Oklahoma draws a bigger crowd because it's a Saturday and it's a bigger brand, even though Baylor's the bigger basketball brand. I think the weeknight game, I think the students are more dialed in during the week. I think they'll be strong. Uh, Now, 
I don't think either of these games is a sellout, right? And UCF certainly hasn't announced that. I think that four o'clock time slot on Saturday holds that Oklahoma game. So I'll, I'll go with Baylor in that one. We did the draft preseason. Fans, you audience, you still lead because you got Kansas and Texas, and we didn't pick those, right, Elo? We did not pick those. Uh, where's your chart board? I, I Mr. Bohr, you're like, I expect you to have the chart with all our picks. <laughs> oh, wow, it shrunk. What did you cut the budget down? You got a budget cut? Like you went from a chart to a notepad? Like, what happened here? Who's got anybody this week? Do we have the audience? No, no, but I picked up the win with West Virginia. And I felt pretty confident. I tell you, I, I felt confident up 39-27 and a half over Cincinnati because that was the other one that I had. Should have been a 2 and a week for me, Elo, but I am on the board uh, this yeah, me week. And, uh, yeah, me and Adam are not on the board yet. Uh, I kind of lost the BYU. Adam, Adam's picks are like he went backloaded. He backloaded the schedule. Backloaded. He, want, he wants to see how everybody does first before he makes his pick. So, uh, his at Oklahoma State pick looks big. Big, looks big good game. right big there. All right, let's bring back in. Adam, share a little knowledge with us. Correct anything we may have gotten wrong. All right, gentlemen. Talking schedule, here's a couple of fun facts. The teams UCF plays this year combined 68 and 79 last season. Only five of those teams had winning records. Trace, you're scared of Arizona. A little fun fact there. Uh, Elo mentioned this. Jed Fish uh, left. 19 transfers left with him. Many of them went to, uh, to Washington. So that, that'll be a different team next year. You talked about uh, transfer portal. 50% of the 2023 portal will not be with UCF this season. That's 9 of 18. Various reasons, graduation, some guys leaving as well. Uh, UCF basketball, 71 in the net ranking right now. They are 2-5 and five in quad one games. They have two quad one games coming up here with Barrel and Oklahoma, so they have a chance to make some noise maybe. And Everything's Elo, a quad one game. <laughs> that's a fair point. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Darius Johnson lost his grandfather, uh, John Henry Cheney, 100 and four years old. Thoughts and prayers him. to Darius and his family. Yeah, God bless him. 104. That's going to be all right. Fun. Thank you, Adam. Uh, one more thing before we go. Hey, Elo, a couple of interesting Big 12 uh, scheduling nuggets. Brett McMurphy sharing that because of previous scheduling contracts, Baylor at Utah and Arizona at Kansas State, those are non conference games, not Big Hello. 12 contests this year. And Kansas is renovating its stadium. UCF fans who made that trek out there know that it is much needed. Uh, UCF will be playing Lindenwood and UNLV at Children's Mercy Park. That is the home to Sporting Kansas City of MLS, but they're Big 12 home games. TCU, Houston, Iowa State, and Colorado, Arrowhead Stadium, Man. home of the AFC Championship. Why couldn't UCF Kansas play at Kansas at Arrowhead? That would have been a cool experience to play uh, watch a game at Arrowhead. By the way, what's Lindenwood? Have you ever heard of Lindenwood? Yeah, it's an FCS program. Jeez. But interesting that those are at the uh, soccer stadium. So two completely different experiences, a smaller venue and then the huge venue of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Look for new episodes midweek, every week on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. We drop them into the podcast feed for you audio listeners. We thank Adam. And for Eric Lopez, I'm Trace Trolko. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week's Around the Kingdom. Podcast Network.